You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan 105. With me, Tim Robertson, and a special guest. Who could it be? Who could it be? What's up, everyone? Tim Robertson here on TechFan105, and I don't have Owen Rubin with me, and I'm not doing a solo show because... Hello. <laughs> it's Backman. Backman, exactly. I'm actually talking to you now. I'm suspended by elastic ropes from my ceiling upside down. Um, <laughs> it's about the only position I can get into where I don't get any pain. Is that true? If it was, I'd send you a picture. I I was going to insist on one. <laughs> so as I've been saying for uh, last couple shows, you were not here because of your car accident yeah. and literally breaking your back. Indeed, saw the specialist yesterday and showed me a gory picture of what the inside of my back looks like. Pretty bad. Well, it's, I mean, it's, there are people who are worse. There are people who break their you know, break their spine. I mean, there's a difference between breaking your back and breaking your spine. You break your spine, then you break the cord. All the nerves stop working, and you can't move. I haven't done that. I've broken the bone in my back, uh, one of the bones, um, and I was fortunate that it's broken in such a way. It, it provided I keep it relatively straight, then it will heal without affecting my spine. So I won't lose any function in anywhere important or or in anywhere unimportant for that matter um but but yeah basically what i've done is i i uh, when the car flipped over i crushed on once on on kind of the inside of my back kind of like the bit facing my guts one of my uh, vertebrae so um it's it's kind of broken into a few pieces and it will heal back and it's also shifted out of line it's, it's a little bit lower than it should be but it will heal back in kind of where it is and um i'm hoping we didn't discuss this in a lot of detail yesterday but i'm hoping that i'll make a recovery without any long-term back pain or problems um and i'm you can hear that that's the um brace that i'm wearing wrapped around my torso at the moment that basically makes sure that I don't bend my back in any way and, and kind of make the injury any worse. So I have to wear that anytime I'm up and about. So is it weird listening to Tech Fan and we're talking about you? Oh, very, very much so. Um, <laughs> it was very strange. Particularly the first couple where I was I was still laid up in hospital. So I was sat there, you know, lying on a bed trying to move as little as possible. Uh, I just had my iPhone there and I was listening away. So, uh, so yeah, it was strange. But, I mean, the whole experience has been kind of surreal, really. Right from the very moment it happened, uh, it's, been, it's been very, very strange. Obviously very traumatic for all of us. But we were, you know, we were kind of lucky that, you know, you can have an accident at 65 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, um, you know, slide off the most way, go up a bank, roll the car over, uh, and um, you know, every, everyone can walk away from that without an injury that's life-threatening, and that is uh, an amazing thing. So, what kind of car was it that you were driving? Well, it's, it's probably something that American listeners might be familiar with. It's called a Skoda Roomster. So, basically, it's a um, it's kind of like a subcompact 
car, but the back has been changed. So instead of being a hatchback, it kind of uh, looks, it's kind of boxy, kind of a little bit van-like. And, and the idea is it's like a, a small people carrier for people who've got small families. And so, um, you know, a pretty modern car. We only bought it six months ago. Um, and there were some things about it which kind of, you know, you you think about it afterwards, you think, oh, I'm glad that that was kind of thought through properly. It had a glass roof on it. Oh, yeah, and um, obviously we rolled the car right over, and the glass roof held. I mean, it didn't. It was cracked, and it was distorted, out of shape, but it didn't break. Or it didn't crush down on you guys. No, um, and in fact, you know, in terms of the, um, well, I mean, we were very fortunate. We didn't hit anything else except for the ground. Um, what what happened was we were, you know, we were driving along, and this this intense hailstorm hit. And it coated the motorway where we were with um, these little fine um, ice hailstones, about an inch deep. I mean, it, was, it really came down that quickly. So, of course, as soon as cars started hitting that, they slid. And we were one of the first ones, and we just slid straight off the road. Uh, but actually, behind us, there was a 14-car pilot. Wow. Uh, not caused by our accident, I hasten to add. Um, I was reassured by my brother, who spoke to the police, that um, it was completely independent to us, because that would have been awful if we'd felt we'd caused a further accident behind us, you know. So but how was, soon was it when, uh, after the car flipped... How was the authorities notified? How fast did they get to you? Well, somebody stopped straight away who was actually a volunteer firefighter. Wow. Uh, and he immediately called the authorities, and they were there very quickly. I mean, they were there within about a quarter of an hour. Um, and um, it was... it. I, I, if you've never been in a car accident, it is kind of weird, because you kind of have... When a car starts to slide, uh, and basically because of this this surface, I, I knew that I couldn't control the car at all. There's nothing I could do. Um, you kind of have this half second where you know the car is going to crash, and there's nothing you can do about it, you know. Uh, and I remember sliding off the road, and next to the road there was kind of like a like a six eight inch deep uh, concrete drainage ditch um, that we bounced through. I remember feeling that impact, and uh, afterwards, when we saw the car, you could see the, f the front wheel on my side was effectively turned through 90 degrees and sticking out the side from where we'd hit that. Uh, so we bounced through that, and then we, you know, we were fortunate we didn't hit anything else until we got to this, uh, this kind of like this raised bank at the side of the road, and we kind of slid up that, losing speed, and then the car rolled over. Um, and so, so when we hit that bank, I remember the airbags going off. Um, and I, I was kind of was aware the car was rolling over because I saw stuff flying in front of me. But then the next thing I knew, we were stopped, you know. Um, and uh, my, my seat had, had kind of slid, fit, had, the, the seat back had reclined somewhat. My, my daughter was behind me and it was right up against her legs. Um, and as soon as we stopped, I immediately got this incredible pain in my back. Um, but I thought it was, you know, you ever have that thing where you get really tense in your lower back? Sure. And, and then when the muscles release, it kind of hurts for about five minutes. So I thought that it was that. I thought well, maybe I'd tensed up in the accident. Um, and my wife, had she'd immediately, even though she'd kind of banged her head and she had a couple of bruises and stuff, she'd immediately got out of the car because she'd seen the airbags go off and she'd seen the pyro charge that sets them off. So she was scared the car was going to catch fire because she'd seen this flash of flame. So uh, she immediately got up and kind of pulled everybody, you know, kind of got all the doors open and made sure everybody was out of the car. And, the, and of course, all this happening and the hailstorm is still coming down. I mean, you couldn't stand out in it. It was like pinging hail against your head. It was really painful. But this uh, volunteer firefighter had seen the accident. He immediately pulled up, got the rest of my family into his car. 
there wasn't room for me in there but the, another guy stopped who was a, a actually a retired policeman from the uk and, and he sat me in his car um and once i sat down in his car i you know i realized that i was probably you know i had something more than just like um, a muscle strain or something because my back was really hurting me at that point and um but yeah, the, the volunteer firefighter then came over and spoke to me and kind of, uh, we kind of communicated, it. obviously he was French, um, communicated enough to ascertain that, that, that I had back pain and um, he said, right, don't move. And he went off and as I say, they were there in about 15, 20 minutes. So it was about, probably about half an hour after that before they took me out of the car and took me to hospital. So, um, you know, and I, I, we were lucky that uh, my wife, she kind of banged her head and she so she had a bit of concussion and the kids have a couple of bruises and i think but apart from that nobody was was hurt at all how was the kids's reaction throughout all this were they pretty calm or they were you know and they were kind of initially upset uh and then i think they were i mean my my eldest son particularly when you know was worried about me more than sure. himself you know because i wasn't with them you know um uh, and my wife was a little bit dazed and a little bit shocked you know um, but but you know that by the time we got to hospital, um, and so when the ambulance came, my son insisted on getting the, in the ambulance with me. Um, but by the time we got to the hospital, they kind of calmed down a little bit, and they were okay. Um, but they're still talking about it, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask: Does this have yeah. any residual effect on them, or is it? Yeah, I mean, Alexander's not really saying very much, but you know, they've both been sleeping fairly restfully for the last two or three weeks, and um, Charlotte, who's three, keeps does keep talking about it. Cause she keeps saying that, you know, we had a car crash and I didn't like it, and uh, you know, now we haven't got mummy's car anymore, and um, you know. You keep on talking about it, yeah. Does uh, you know, because it was in a different country. Do they ship the car back to you guys, or is that left there? Well, for... they would do if we had insurance, but my insurance company is bailing on me and saying that uh, I didn't have cover. Really? Uh, yeah. Now, it's it's a confusing situation because I checked the policy before we went away. Um, even though we were only away for a few days, yeah, I'm not dumb enough not to check the policy. And I had a look at it, and it's, it said that um, we provide mandatory European cover across the entire European Union. So I read that and thought, great, no problems. But it turns out that that's only third-party cover. That's not fully comprehensive. And uh, if you want fully comprehensive, you have to pay for it. But there's nowhere in the policy documentation does it say that that is excluded. So I didn't know. So now I've spoken to the insurance company and said, oh, well, you didn't have international cover, so, um, you know, we can't do anything for you. Uh, um, and so we need to have a conversation about that. But I suspect once the insurance company has settled on a way of finding out, uh, thinking they don't have to pay, I don't think I'm going to get very far. So uh, we're going to have to beat the cost of the car, unfortunately. Well, there's always an option that, you know, you could sue. So you might want to talk to a lawyer. And Yeah, well, you know, I'll... I'll um, I need to speak to the... The car was a lease, so I need to speak to the leasing company first because it's actually their car. Sure. Uh, and I would imagine that they will sue the insurance company um, yeah. to try and recover. Which they, they, they probably do that, you know, three times a week anyway, so... Yeah, you know, I mean... But at the moment, the car is still in a wrecking yard in France, and there it will stay until we get it sorted out. Did you, you know what? I'm, I'm not worrying too much about that at the moment. I'll sort that over the next week or so while... Did you? Is there any pictures? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can probably, uh, I can probably get you a picture of the car. Yeah, that would be. I'd love to use it for the show notes, so the, uh, you know, the people listening can actually see it. Yeah, I think it it makes it more real to people when they see it, and, and realizing that the only thing that happened was 
uh, you're serious, but not life-threatening injury, which obviously is the good part, but it's still kind of, wow, I can't believe that's all that happened. Well, I, I mean, it is a testament, really, to how safe modern cars are. The fact that you can have an, an accident like that. We we used to have a much older car. We had a car that was about five years old and um, developed a fairly serious engine fault about eight months ago. And so we reluctantly decided to change it. We didn't really want to spend the money. Uh, and we ended up buying something new because we got a good deal. And, you know, I'm just so glad that we did because I think if we'd had that accident in the older car, I don't think I'd be standing here talking to you now. So why France? Uh, my, my brother lives in Paris, so we were going to visit him. Um, and he was very good, actually, because obviously my wife called him after the accident, and he came up from Paris straight away and hung around for for three, four days until we all started getting sent home. And yeah. uh, he was able to do a lot of the paperwork and translate, obviously. Um, difficult. Uh, very few people in, in the French hospital spoke good English, so... Yeah, that makes it a little difficult. Yeah, I don't speak good French, so... <laughs> So how did you get home? Uh, I was take, I was brought home by my uh, travel insurance company in an ambulance. So they kind of shipped me home from from Bologna to uh, to Manchester. And the fam? So, uh, they came home on the train uh, a couple of days after the accident. Gotcha. So um, yeah, and you know, not, my wife, as I said, she had this concussion. So you talk to her now; she has no memory of about from the accident onwards for about a week, week and a half. She can't remember any of it. Even though she was doing stuff and functioning and all of that, you know, she just can't remember any of it at all. Is that worrisome right now? Uh, a little bit, you know. She's she's a lot better than she was, but she still kind of has a you know pretty poor short term memory. So we're gonna have to go and see. She's been checked over by the doctors, and they said it was okay. But so it's uh, like you're married to me now, because <laughs> <laughs> my short term memory is terrible. Yeah. So is my long term actually. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it, uh, you know, I suppose it. Um, it does allow me to get away with a few things, and like she says, "Oh yeah, I, why, why haven't you done this?" I said, "Well, you, you know, I told you, I, I told you I'd done it." Oh, <laughs> you're wrong. Don't do that. That's terrible. No, it's fine. We're, we're helping each other through it because obviously, uh, you know, she's got some kind of whiplash and soft tissue pain as well. So we we need to rely on each other to get through this. So sure, absolutely. You know. That's what families do. Yeah. So what's uh-huh. the uh, return to work looking like? Is it, Are you well, months away, and how are they behaving about the whole thing? They're, oh, they're being very good. I have I have quite... Because um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm in quite a senior position, I have quite a good contract in terms of uh, sick pay, and I don't need to worry about, you know, kind of losing pay or anything for, for up to about six months. Um, so, you know, they basically said, just take as much time as you need. Don't come back until you feel you're ready to come back properly. Well, that's good is 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 uh you know important thing because my job obviously as you know involves a fair amount of travel and i can't really i can't really well at the moment i barely leave the house but even once i'm feeling better i'm not gonna be able to travel and drive long distances and do that sort of thing for a good while yet um so i saw the the specialist yesterday and he says he won't see me again in five weeks um and that they will be looking to take off the cast in about six weeks uh, and um, and then I would imagine I'll have to have some physiotherapy because I think all the muscles on my back are going to turn to jelly between now and then. Um, and then I take every day as it comes, you know. Um, I can sit up, I can move around uh, with the brace on, and um, it doesn't hurt too much. Um hurts the most first thing in the morning normally when I get out of bed. And, um, you know, I just, I'm doing what I can do and I'm not doing anything I can't do, you know. Well, that's the good part there. I mean, you do have to take care of yourself because, you know, 
it's you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And and I do want to uh, make it clear to the the listeners out there. Uh, I was putting no pressure on David at all to come back on the show as soon as possible. I, in yeah. fact, I don't think I even asked. No, you at didn't. any point. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that you're okay. I mean, yeah. yeah. The silly podcast can wait. <laughs> well, you know, I I kind of take take the view that you know I'm sat here with not an awful lot to do. So provided I can sit up and do something, then I'll I'll do it. If I you know if I can't, I I'll say sorry, got to go now. I'll speak to you next week. So. Well, it's been a month. Oh, it's been over a month since we actually sat down together because the last show we were on at the same time, we both recorded segments separately. Yeah. And then the accident happened, and I did the solo show, and then I did a show with Owen. So it's it's. I think it's been since episode one hundred that we were actually yeah. together. Yep. It's uh, it's crazy. But I'm glad you know all things being equal. Um, the, if you're going to roll in a car, as a parent myself, we would much rather take the injury than the kids. Oh, definitely. You know, I mean, that was that was both our first priority. Once once we kind of got out of the wreck, to make sure the children were okay. Um, you know, and uh, and and they are, they were. You know, they were both. I mean, I think we were fortunate. They were both in the back of the car. They were both fairly relaxed. They were actually both sitting there watching video on iPads when the uh, crowd yeah. happened. Um, and uh, you know, they were they were you know they weren't kind of looking around or sitting up or fighting or anything like that when obviously it would have been worse so you know they were both sat properly in their chairs the belts were properly on and there was no issues when we went through it you know and um fortunately what impacts the car took all happened on the front and the top rather than in the back where they were so yeah that that was the thing but the the police uh, said to my brother that they you know having seen the accident and seen um this other pile up as well where there were a couple of people who were also injured not um you know, nobody, nobody was who was you know really seriously injured. But there were a couple of you know serious injuries in this pileup. They said that they were amazed that we had come away from it so you know unscathed because uh, obviously you know if you go into a pileup, most people most people have an opportunity to slow down somewhat. Whereas we just had no opportunity to slow down at all. We literally, it was it was about five seconds from the rain starting to the hailstone starting to the car starting to slide. There was that much time. Wow. There was barely a time at all. Um, so it was crazy as someone who drives a lot myself back and forth to Chicago a little over 200 miles every week and living in a region that's notorious for snow and heavy storms and ice and black ice and you know that's always my fear is getting in an accident and I'm not so scared for myself but I am in that you know what happens with Julie and the kids if I'm seriously injured yeah. You know, that uh, that conversation she would have to have with the kids that daddy was in a car accident. You know, that's that's always prompted me to be extra cautious. And it, yeah. there's only so much you could do, of course. But when I start seeing the weather turn, I start slowing down. I start looking for exits to get off the highway uh, because it's much more manageable on back roads. And if it takes me an extra five hours to get home, then so yeah. be it. You know, it's to me, it's worth it. That's right, yeah, and you know, I, I, you, you know, we do hope the kids are not long-term affected by it. But they're, as they're, saying, they're sponges. In the short and... term, it's on, it's on them, and you know, I remember. I mean, probably one of the hardest things for me was the day that they left to go home, and I was still in the French hospital. Yeah, I didn't come back to two days afterwards, and you know, as soon as they 
they were kind of had to say goodbye to me. That was it. They were all in floods of tears. Yeah. You know, they didn't want to go. So, um, you know, it's, it is hard on them. And, and um, you know, you hope that they don't have any long-term mental damage from it, you know. I doubt if they will. Kids are very, very, very resilient. Yeah. And um, especially the three-year-old probably won't even remember it in a year or two. Not, yeah. not any... She'll remember that there was an accident, but she won't really remember details or anything. Yeah. Well, let's take a break real quick, and then we'll come back and talk about some technology. I'm Elisa Pasali. I'm Suze Gilbert. I'm Vicki Stokes. And we're the three geeky ladies. You could be watching Hoarders. Or you could be reading Fifty Shades of Grey. You could be ghost hunting. Or you could be listening to the three geeky ladies. So put down that book, shut off the TV, and turn on your iPod. And listen to the three geeky ladies. Find us on iTunes under the Stoplight Network. Back here on Tech Fan number 105. And, uh... Back with David. Hello. So uh, I thought I would talk about um, kind of older technology in a way, uh, and it's not computer or tablet related or anything like that, but it was technology <laughs> that actually saved me a lot of money, but did cost me some. My wife has a Ford Explorer that has the anti-theft system in it, you know, with the little keypad on the outside and all that. All right, yeah. And when the, the truck senses that it's been stolen... It basically disables the ignition, so you can get in it. You can turn the back, you can turn the key, and you know the radio and all that will come on, but the engine itself will not crank over. Mm-hmm. So you could put it in drive or neutral, or but nothing's going to happen because the engine's not running, and that's the extent of the anti-theft system. Well, her truck, this Explorer, has developed schizophrenia. It continuously believes that it's been stolen, even though we're using the factory key, um, even though I put in the code on the door to unlock the door. All of that, it just occasionally decides, no, you know what, I've been, I've been stolen and I'm disabling the ignition now. So, so how does it, I mean, you, when you say it knows, if, if it knows it's been stolen, how would it know that it's been stolen if it was working properly? The fact that the keypad hadn't been entered, or that it's not using or, a factory key, or oh, right. So, so there's a there's a chip in the key that the car detects. Exactly. Um, so yeah. it knows and, this and, is and, not the factory key, and thus and I'm not going yeah. to do anything. Most modern cars now, pretty much all cars, certainly in the UK, have that system, and um, it's actually that that's led to a rise in you know car theft of a different kind, where people they don't steal cars now; they steal keys first. Yes. So I had the keys from, from my car um, probably about six, seven years ago. Um, somebody fished them through my letterbox. They were hung up on a hook near my door, front door. Um, and, and, you know, a lot, a lot of um, houses in Britain, we don't have mailboxes. We have Slots. kind of a, a slot through the door. Uh, and they used um, a, a, like a kind of a wire thing to push the start slot open and fish my keys five feet away from the door and took them out and took my car. Wow. You know, that's so, uh, that's weird. I bet that's got to be a weird sensation. Well, it was, but it was better than the alternative because the same group came back 
couple of months later and they couldn't fish the keys through the letterbox so they put they basically put a sledgehammer through the guy's door and when he came running down they threatened him with a knife and said give us the keys otherwise we'll cut you so uh, <laughs> if it's going to happen I'd rather it be doing, done by the fishing way if you know what I mean <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta agree with you there uh, but we digress because your car is not is is not working like that. So well, is it my, quite an old car? Well, remember, I'm I'm in Chicago. No, it's yeah. a it's in the 2000s. It's a newer right. it's a newer vehicle. Um, and I'm in Chicago all the time. And the only way to really reset the system, and it sometimes this would work and sometimes it wouldn't, was to be disconnect the battery, wait about 10 minutes, reconnect the battery, and then maybe half the time it would start. And if it didn't, you'd repeat the process until eventually it would go, oh, okay, yeah, I'm starting now. Pretty annoying. Very much. And, you know, it's winter here in Michigan, and it's snowing, and you get ice, and it's cold, and Julie has the kids. I mean, that's if she goes anywhere when I'm not here, obviously the kids are going with her. So we knew that uh, at the dealership, and it's really the only place that could fix it, uh, because it's you know the control modules and all that kind of thing, and you got to hook it up to a computer itself to figure out what the problem is. It was going to cost at least at, the, at a minimum a hundred dollars just to tell us what the problem is, just to hook it up wow. to a meter and go, okay, this is the problem. I also know the control modules that control that, which is usually what the problem is, is a few hundred dollars at least, and then add on to that an hour or two of labor. You're talking five to six hundred dollars repair. Yeah. So can you and, think? And, yeah, and also as well, sometimes they change the control modules on those things. You've got to change the keys too. Mm-hmm. And the keys are expensive. Yep. So can you think of a, a a less expensive alternative without going to the dealer to uh, let's just say circumvent this problem? Well, I suppose you could try and hotwire it somehow. Well, <laughs> we kind of did. What yeah. we did, and I came up, which I think is a, a, a quite a brilliant idea, and it seems to be working. Um, one of the things my wife's van had when we sold it, and that she didn't have in this car, and I don't have in the Honda, that she really likes because she gets cold very easily. Can you figure out what that thing was? Uh, one of these things that kind of fires up the car. Exactly. And, it's yeah. called a remote start. You push a button yeah. on your keychain, and the car starts. Mm-hmm. So and it runs for usually either you can set up between ten to twenty minutes. Hers is set to mm-hmm. twenty, <clears throat> and uh, it's nice and warm by the time you get out into the car. And it makes scraping the windows and all that a whole lot easier too. Yeah. So I thought, what if we install a remote start, which tie, actually does tie into the anti-theft system, but we we have a remote start in it because even if the anti-theft system kicks on, the engine's already running. Yeah, and you can still put the key in it, and have the ignition active, so you can put it in drive and all that. Everything works except, you know, you you, well, with you the effectively start, does that talk to the key at all in order to it, fire the fire the engine up? It does, but the engine's already fired up. Right, so you hit the start, and it it talks to the key. It does, to get a, or it, or it doesn't need to. Uh, it well, you have to program the the remote start to recognize the key. Right. Okay. So, so basically, so, so it's the, bypassing. So then the remote start is then going to talk to the car and say, "It's cool. You're not been stolen, so you can start up." Correct. So, it, yeah. So it circumvents the problem. Exactly. And it was 150 bucks. Well, it was like 155 and change installed out the door. 
Cool. So it so, solves two problems. The, the starting the car problem that she was having for the last month. And her car's nice and warm and cozy by the time she gets out into it in the morning to take yeah. the kids to school. Because it gets really cold in Michigan, obviously. Now, one thing I'd ask about that system is, is if you fire it up, could somebody drive the car away? No, because you have to literally put a key in the ignition and, yeah. and turn the ignition to, you know, on. All right. And the system is built that if you hit the gas pedal without the ignition on, it the car turns off. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Because <laughs> not that we have winters anything like yours, but um, here in the UK, there are every, every winter there are a spate of thefts where people, because they want the car warm, they go out and they put the key in and turn the car on and then go back inside. Well, yeah, that's a thinking, stupidity. Yeah, and they'll, they'll come out in five, ten minutes. And, of course, what happens is somebody comes and tries to drive the car away because the end is running with the engine uh, and the key in. Uh, and there's been a couple of people killed where they actually try and stop that by jumping on the car and they get run over. Dumb. It's a well, car, let it go. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> you know, in those circumstances, you think, you know, oh, my car, you're not necessarily thinking straight. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, so, so um, I think, in fact, I'm surprised people don't sell systems like that over here for that very same reason. I've never heard of people selling a remote start as an aftermarket system here. Yeah, it's, they were really, really popular in the 90s here. Extremely mm-hmm. popular. Uh, they they kind of lost a little bit of their popularity in the 2000s. People were doing it, but it wasn't kind of an elite thing anymore. Yeah. And now you'll see signs on um, telephone poles, $89 remote start, yeah. such and such address. So it's it's very common. And they yeah. do it within an hour. I mean, we took her, her truck up, and, uh, you know, I followed her in the Honda, and then we drove down to the grocery store, and we weren't even there for 10 minutes. When they called and said it's done, you could pick it up any time. Wow. So it was really fast turnover. I mean, you know, I guess if you do it all the time, especially on a popular model like a Ford Explorer, it's rote at that point. Well, I, guess, I mean, let's face it, it probably is just plug in, plug in a couple of terminals and um, uh, and mount, mount a box somewhere, and then you're probably done, isn't it? And you got to program the keys into the alarm system itself. Yeah. But other than that, which is probably you push a button and you hold a key right on top of it or some yeah. silly thing like that. I mean, that would have been my, uh, you know, working on the basis that maybe that system, the fault in your car was actually not being able to sense the key. What I might have done is, is been tempted to try and maybe tape a spare key under the engine bay somewhere where it would, um, you know, <laughs> kind of. It was doing it with. The key it, was close by. Yes. Um, but. It was doing it with both of our keys. I've got a key right. for the vehicle, and so does she. So, yeah. regardless, it's it's working this way, and I'm happy, and it's she's even happier than before because now she has remote start, and she doesn't have yeah. her, you know, freezer cookies off in there in the morning. So, I mean, I mean, this is I think this is one of the problems with the you know the the amount of electronics in our cars now. Electronics do fail, particularly in a in a car, which is a fairly harsh environment in terms of noise vibration and and corrosion um and it does concern me that you know the cars of today if, if somebody's trying to run some of these things 15 years time they're gonna have all sorts of problems that can't really be fixed yeah you know yeah, um, I, I i used to work on my cars all the time i used yeah. to do my old changes i would give them tune-ups i'd modify them when i you know had older cars that i wanted to go faster now, I was happy to pull a carb off and make it better. And, you know, you can't do any of that stuff in cars anymore. No. You have to have a computer connected to your car just to tell you what's wrong with it. It's crazy. Right. And, you know, what, what really worries me is you see you see the design of some cars. Like, have you ever seen um, 
coupes like the Audi TT uh-huh. or say the the Mini, um, the the Mini is kind of constructed like a coupe. Um, the uh, the windows on those things are frameless, yes. so they actually kind of snick up into the roof when you close the window. They actually meet the roof. So in order for you to be able to open the door, when you grab the door handle, the uh, window motor has to drop the window by about quarter of an inch in order to let you open the door to disengage it from the frame um and of course if the window motor's not working you're not going to be able to open that door yep and you know i think that's uh, that is those sort of things are real really setting up um problems for people in the future because you know it, pretty much everyone has had an experience of going in an old car and finding the, the window motors don't work anymore or or something even more common david the battery just died in the car it's a completely dead battery yep and uh, I can't open the door because the battery's dead, thus it's not engaging the motors. But I can't pop the hood to change the battery because that's inside the car. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, of course, then as well, you know, the battery's dead, then none of the electronics work. So the um, alarm system, which which will normally fail safe, so if it's dis- in case somebody tries to disconnect it to steal the car. So if it's disconnected, the car won't start. So you can't even bump start the car then. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, but by the same token, you just, you know, realistically walked away from rolling a car. Well, this is it. You know, it's it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? And and I guess the designers of, of modern cars are not thinking about, you know, the convenience of somebody using it 15 years in the future. They're, they're designed for um, kind of a three to five year replacement cycle, which for some of the price of a car really is insane. But it there is. you go, you know. Um, but I, I, we're going to have to have a th- uh, think about these things when we look at our next vehicle and decide what we want. Yeah, you know, some of those things you just don't even think about when you're looking at a brand new car and it doesn't come yeah. up until later. I'm just going to strop out for a minute. Hold on a sec. Absolutely. So we'll take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Gaz from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here with that big Yang Tank guy. Hey, you nitwit Brit. Did you know the MyMac.com podcast is one of the longest running Mac podcasts out there? I did know that. Why do you think that is? I think it's because we bring a blend of tech and entertainment that no other show can do. I thought it was because one of us is incredibly handsome. (laughs) Well, thanks, Gaz. I do try to look my best. Yes, Guy. Of course. But how can people find the podcast? Well, they should just go to iTunes and do a podcast search for MyMac.com. So subscribe and get your weekly dose of tech fun. Wait, I, I thought I was the handsome one. Yeah, you just keep thinking that, and we'll be all right. And we're back on Tech Fan uh, after our last break. And instead of David Cohen joining us right now, I've got David Cohen's son, Alexander. Hello, Alexander. How are you? I'm good. <clears throat> How old are you? I'm 10. So you're, you are right around the same age as my daughter, Brooke. And Brooke actually remembers sending you a video saying hi. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. We still got it on our Apple TV. <laughs> we have yours as well. Uh, and Brooke said she wants to do that again, so I will, uh, I'll do that with her real soon if that's okay with you. Okay. So your dad tells me you like iPad games just like Brooke does. What is your yeah. favorite iPad game? Um, my favorite would be... Um... The Skylanders Battlefield. Skylanders is pretty cool. So what do you do in that game? Do you fight? Do you well, collect yeah, things? Well, 
Highlanders with gems, and then, and then you, and then you ha- have to use them to fight, and and then destroy enemies to get to different zones. And that's a pretty fun game. Yeah. What makes it fun though? Is it because your friends play it too, or you like it because of the game itself? No, I like it because of the different varieties of Skylanders. Because each each Skylander group has an element. So there's like a tech group, a magic group, a water group, an undead group, um, so and fire group, and an air group, and a life group. So and all each Skylander has a different has different abilities, and there's the giants as well. So they're a lot bigger than usual. <laughs> so you have to play the game for your character to get better, so you can get yeah, to higher so, levels. So it'll, so it'll kind of level up, and it'll be, <clears throat> and it kind of gets more powerful. That is pretty cool. I like games like that too. They've been popular for a long time, and Skylanders is really popular now. Uh, what other games do you like on there? Uh, I like Field Runners. Oh, I love. Do you play Field Runners too? Yeah, I have that as well. That's one uh, and two. There, there. You know, I like I like that game because it's a tower defense game. You have to stop the enemies come from one side of the screen to the other, and you're trying to shoot them and get rid of them. And there's a lot of those types of games, but I like that one because you can put your towers anywhere on the map. Yeah, um, and I was think I actually thought of some towers of my own. Really. Yeah, I was thinking of like, well, a toxicity tower. When it shoots enemies, it damaged them over time. That would be pretty cool. I wonder if somebody could develop a game system that would allow you to make your own character. You could design it and give him powers. Would that be cool? Yeah. That would. Be, I think that would be really cool. As long as it was kind of easy to do, you know, and not really difficult to build your character. Yeah. That would be neat. I would like that. I think Brooke would like that, too. I, I, I know some developers. I'll put the the bug in their ear. And if they actually make one, maybe I'll get them to call it Alexander. <laughs> that would be neat. So do you play on the iPhone, too? No, but there is one more game I could suggest. Jetpack Joyride. Mm-hmm. Jetpack Joyride. Have you collected all the coins? Have you? Um, how good are you at that? Um, I have I've got quite a few jetpacks. Yeah. And so I got like I've got twisted jetpack. I have the snow machine. I've got the and I've got the steam power jetpack too. I like the steam powered one. It's kind of funky looking. I also like. Do you got the rainbow one? No, I don't. But I'm saving up for it. I like I like the rainbow one, but. In some respects, I don't because it's kind of like My Little Pony or something. And I'm like, ugh. But at least it's colorful. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on and telling us about games that's worth picking up on the iPad. We really appreciate that. Okay. okay. Take care. Okay. I'm putting you back on to Daddy. Okay. Well done. Okay. David Hello. switches the mic back to himself, and that was fun, David. Thank you. That was good. That was he was great. He was fantastic. Yeah. And I was telling him, uh, I don't know if you could hear my end of the conversation or not. No, I couldn't. Um, I was telling him vile rumors about you. 
Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Trash talk. That's right. Uh, I was. He, he remembered the uh, video that him and Brooke exchanged, and of course it was pretty much a one and done for both of them. But yeah. Brooke has actually mentioned a few few times that she liked to do that again. So yeah, I said, absolutely, we could do that. I think it was kind of a neat idea to do with everyone has cameras and video cameras on their phone now. Um, when you and I were little, pen pals was kind of a big deal. Yeah. And uh, you can do, you know, you want to do, do it in a safe environment, of course. But uh, pen pals, but it's video pen pals. I think, you know, that's kind of a neat novel idea. And of course, Definitely. yeah, you could see I, I the mean, the downsides to that really quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, the 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 problem with uh, the problem with pen, pen pals nowadays is is you know kids send emails to each other, but they tend to be very short and not very conversational. Same thing with texting. Video, texting even more so. A bit more personal. Right, texting's even more so impersonal and short. Yeah, but with the video, I mean, you 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 get to see the environment. You can hear the accent. You can see mannerisms i mean that takes it to a level i think that's even cooler than the old time you know pen pal type of just a letter in the mail definitely yeah so he he kind of likes the same games you do uh a lot of the, i mean one of the reasons for that is he gets a lot of my games because sure. i uh you know if i buy something i'll put them on his ipad rather than buy them again um, but you know he yeah he likes the stuff where he can put a bit of time in mm-hmm. so um you know he he unlike me where i'll I'll sort of play a game for a bit and then kind of move on to something else he actually puts quite a few hours in and he likes you know he really gets into all that collection stuff so for instance with jetpack joyride he likes the fact that you know he likes doing the missions where you get different um abilities and different coins and different powers and that sort of thing and and that's very much a kind of a, a thing that appeals to kids i think that's why they're like the skylanders type games because it's a there's a collection element to it brooke you know i get games for myself and i think well brooke wouldn't like this game and i know cole won't because there's reading involved and he's five and he can't read yeah um, but I had actually downloaded a game, and it was a universal, so it wasn't just on my iPad, which is where I played it, but it was on all my iPhones, which include all my uh, retired iPhones that are nothing but glorified iPod Touches now. Mm-hmm. So Brooke came up to me a couple weeks ago, now nah, maybe a week ago, and said, uh, have you played this this uh, Justice game? And I said, I don't, I don't know which game you mean. And she showed me, and it was Middle Manager of Justice. And it's kind of a silly game, but it's micromanaging. Right. You, your your character is basically a middle manager for a small shop of superheroes. And you have to send them out on missions, and you have to make them train. And you need to give them time to go to sleep. And you're trying to earn more money so you can get more heroes and more abilities. And uh, I, I never would have guessed that she would like this game, but she absolutely loves it. She'll sit there for an hour playing it before I go, okay, that's enough video games for a while. <laughs> um, but, of course, she's not even halfway to I mean, I've pretty much maxed all my stuff out on that game, and I still yeah. play it occasionally. I jump on just to kind of keep my heroes going, waiting for them to update it to new cities. Um, but I'm, I'm complete, every one of my characters is completely maxed out on abilities, I've bought every single thing you can buy. Uh, my headquarters, everything is completely upgraded. I mean, it's just, th- there's literally nothing else I can do. They never yeah. lose a fight. I mean, it's just, they're pretty much indestructible at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Brooke struggling with some aspects of the game. So it was kind of, it's kind of a nice little bonding time where I'll sit down with her for 15 minutes and showing her some pointers in the game that she should be doing to make her characters more powerful or to get more money or why you want to put this thing in your your headquarters so they'll actually work at the computer and make you more money um, and why you need a better TV so they can relax and it makes them happier. <laughs> you know, because that's one of the things. Your characters get despondent. They don't want to do anything. So you right. have to, you can have your middle manager, um, I think it's called Inspire Hero, where he's kind of talking to him and getting fired up. Uh, but if they're hurt and you need to make them go to sleep, uh, it's it's kind of like The Sims, but easier yeah. and better at the same time. And she so, just, she loves those kind of games. So basically you take the role that Agent Coulson did in The Avengers. That's exactly right. Yes, <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah. So oh, that's kind of cool. I've not I've not seen this game before. Middle Manager of Justice. I think you would like it a lot. I think it'd be right up your alley. And let's be honest, you've got some time right now. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. When I was um, when I was stuck in the hostel in France, I I didn't have that much uh, video on my iPad, so uh, I burned through that in a couple of days. Well, if you go back, uh, David, and, uh, if you then go I back, read a couple of Kindle books. Yeah, and then I was stuck on this. So I thought oh, I've got these games on here. I'll stop playing some of them. Um, and I actually really got into. Do you remember uh, a few a few months ago? I was saying oh, I wish there was a Wing Commander game on yeah. the iPad. Yes. So um, I I found a game I downloaded, and I I must have downloaded it but never got around to actually firing it up and trying it so i started playing this game called galaxy on fire 2 sure yeah I've, I've got that as well yeah and wow this i mean it's not it's not quite like wing commander for the ipad but it's pretty close yeah um and uh yeah so i've been i've really put some time into that and i bought the uh bought the add-on packs as well and um you know for the for the price you pay it really is i mean there's quite a lot of depth there. there's quite a lot of gameplay um, and it looks fantastic. Um, even on the iPad Mini, it looks amazing. Well, what I was going to say is, you know, had your accident happened 20 years ago and you're in the hospital, hopefully you had a book with you. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're sitting in a foreign hospital watching foreign channels on the TV, going bored out of your mind. Well, I, if, it, if, if it hadn't been the fact that when I first got to the hospital room i was put in there was a there was a french guy in there and he would paid the subscription for the tv uh-huh. because you have to pay to watch tv sure um i wouldn't have had anything to watch at all but of course yes it was all in french so i actually sat through the whole of titanic in french one night just because <laughs> there was nothing else on wow that's kind of brutal <laughs> yeah so uh i was disappointed i thought the french version might have a different ending no the, the still sunk yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the German version's so, better. Yeah, that was so. That was the thing. But you know, thank goodness for the um, for this stuff we can carry with us because uh, it can keep you entertained. Yeah, um, I didn't. I, I was thinking about that when you sent me the picture of your Iron Man chest there. Yeah. Uh, with well, the, technically no, the first one that you sent, you didn't have that on there. But yeah, um, I thought, well, hey, as bad as it is, it could be a lot worse. I mean, modern technology really does make it at least somewhat bearable you know um well, so exactly. that's good. And, and also as well the fact is i haven't had to be zapped for all radiation in order to you know get this sorted out in times gone past it would have been an awful lot of x-rays which yes. carries a health risk now they're doing most of the stuff by um magnetic resonance imaging which is a if you've never had one of those that's a very weird scan um 
because there's no there's no radiation with that. They basically are using um, radio transmissions and magnetism to scan the soft tissues in you. So they put you in this thing that's kind of like a lit coffin uh, with the ceiling very close to your face. Um, and it completely surrounds you. It's like a huge, great machine. And then it starts running, and then you have to have earplugs pl- in because it's so noisy. And it sounds like having an old dot matrix line printer right next to your ear because oh. it makes all these buzzing and cranking and very mechanical noises, which apparently comes from all the switching that goes on as they adjust these radio fields to try and magnetize your uh, your your body um and you're stuck in this thing for like 25 minutes it's not it's not for the claustrophobic but the thing is they can do as many of those as they want um without any risk to you because there's no radiation involved that's right uh, and you know they and with the computer technology you can build a very detailed image of of what's going on inside you and so um you know in times gone past they probably would have had to open me up just have a look and see what the damage was and now i I can have a non-invasive scan and and uh and be okay you didn't actually have any surgery correct no i didn't because the the injury i've got is a compression fracture um so uh, there's nothing they they would normally only put the surgery in there's two bits of bone that needed to be joined together so they could heal but because this is a compression fracture basically the the, the bone has 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 broken in several pieces uh, and and actually what they need to do is 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 leave it where it is to to refuse exactly as it is without interfering in there at all the other thing as well because because it's in small pieces they want to make sure it doesn't get into my spinal cord so um you know if they were to open me up then uh, there would be a risk that they could actually make it worse rather than better yeah, that's the, uh, you know, I had a back injury, nothing like yours. Um, when I was 18 years old, and I learned quite a bit at that time, and I was always surprised that back surgery is going to do one of three things. It's not going to change anything. It's going to make it much worse, or it's going to heal you completely. Yeah. And it's literally a one in three chance of which is going to happen. And uh, I always thought that was kind of, I don't like those odds. No. <laughs> like, ah. no, I, I, yeah, I was, I was favorite. I mean, when I when I was in the hospital, you know, and I'd, I'd had the first CT scan, um, you know, I actually was more worried about internal bleeding than anything else. I thought that the pain I had in my abdomen was from internal bleed, so I was kind of preparing myself for surgery. Um, it never dawned on me that I might have uh, have actually broken something in my back. Um, so I was I was sort of very bemused and surprised when they came and told me that's that's what it was. Well, I know I was quite shocked when you gave me the news yourself. It was yeah, it was kind of shocking, you know. And of course, like I said on the podcast at the time, uh, and it's probably one of those. Of course, that's how you think, but it, you always go to the worst case scenario. Oh my God, yeah. he's paralyzed. And then I thought, well, he's able to type. So he should be able to do the podcast, and that's all I care about, to be honest. That's right. <laughs> uh, and, and, and in fact, I, I, you will be seeing me on the MyMac site over the next few weeks, because I have said to, uh, to uh, John, John Nemo, our, our uh, reviews editor, that you know I've got some time at home with no work to do, so send me some stuff to review, and I can write it up. So uh, I will be doing some typing over the next few weeks. Cool. Well, you know, you've got, also got a ton of those iPad games and stuff like that. And uh, those always could use reviews. People people enjoy reading those. But I was going to ask you about, because uh, <laughs> um, last week, Owen and I talked about how cheap or inexpensive, I should say, iOS and Android gaming is. And some of the Xbox Live and PSN stuff, 
relatively inexpensive compared to uh, the console price games and even for the PS Vita. You can download some things on there, relatively inexpensive, but you know the higher quality games are forty, fifty dollars. And I was yep. wondering what your take is on that because I mean, uh, Galaxy on Fire is what six ninety nine less. I is think it? I bought it on a deal. Um, I, that's when I bought so, mine. Yeah. So so I think I paid less than that, and the the I think it was uh, yeah it was about probably about eight dollars for the for the two upgrade uh, packs as well to give extra missions to it because I kind of finished the main mission after a few days. Um, so yeah, but the thing is, this is a, in terms of quality. Um, I mean, it, it visually it's far superior to to something like Wing Commander, which would have been a full price game back in the day. Um, and uh, and in terms of the depth, maybe that maybe it's not quite as deep as a full price game, but you know, there's still a fair amount. Of, there's still quite a few hours of gameplay in there before you even get to the uh, the add-on missions. It's probably at least ten hours. Which let's face it, that's Halo. Yeah, a lot of first-run titles now on on the console go for ten or less hours than, or less than yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it. When's the last time you got that much playtime from a console game that you put that many hours into it? Uh, I probably well, I, I finished um, a couple of months before Christmas. I finished um, the second Medal of Honor. Uh, sorry, Call of Duty Modern Warfare game. Yeah, but you and bought probably, that used too. Yeah, but that's right. I mean, you know, I, I you paid what ten dollars or something. Yeah, I have a whole stack of games here, none of which I've paid more than about fifteen dollars for. Yep. Um, and um, you know, actually listening to your comments with with Owen last week, I did think to myself that even though it would scare me to go and look at how much I've spent on uh, iPad software and iOS software since I since the App Store's been open, if I summed it all up, I probably would say it's well below the cost of a of a handheld console and a few games for it. Oh yeah, I, that one surprised I, me a bit. Yeah, and I have literally hundreds of games for mine. Yeah. You know, and any type of genre I feel like playing, I can get, you know. And that's what and I don't I, think a company like Nintendo really is understanding. Yes, the Mario, excuse me, the Mario games and um, Zelda and, you know, Metroid, they're all great games. But we're not... As consumers, we're being conditioned to pay this much and no more. And it's it's becoming a harder sell. I'm not getting it. Uh, one of my things I wanted for my uh, birthday, but because of the truck issues and all that, uh, we're not doing it right now, was a, a Nintendo Wii U. Yeah. Because I'm a video game buff and I want it. And I, I really want to play the new Mario game. But, you know, it's, it's what, $3.99? Mm-hmm. Uh, three forty nine somewhere around there because I'm going to get the deluxe version because you get more storage and all that. Yeah. Um. But I, I I will eventually get it. It's just it's not happening on my birthday. Um. Yeah, it, I mean, I mean it, we, but I keep thinking about buying it, and I'm like, you know, that's a lot for just a console. I I can it's it's in the iPad Mini range, which I would enjoy more. Although I don't need one, I have an iPad. Um. But that's just the beginning price. You got to start adding in fifty bucks a pop for games. And if I want, now let's say four games, that's that's two hundred dollars right there. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. The I'll still do it though. About, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'll have yeah. one eventually. Yeah. The only thing that worries me about iOS game pricing is it is it, it 
I suppose there's a risk that it could all collapse. You know, if if not if if not enough publishers can make enough money on each title. Yeah, but that's not then, happening right now, anyways. No, it's not. But, but you know, I I mean, we kind of saw this with we've seen this in the in the video game industry before with pretty much every cyclical crash we've had in it, where the quality starts to go down because um, they're not selling as many as many uh, copies of a title and it becomes like a death spiral then and before you know it there's a race to the bottom and the quality of the games goes through the floor people stop buying them and then the platform collapses now i really hope that doesn't happen with ios but the problem it will. is it of course seems it will. to me it always yeah. that's, it's it's that always happens i i'm under no delusions that apple's going to be riding the high horse and ios is going to be you know what it is today forever it's it's not going to happen I would love it to because I think it's a great platform. But here's the thing, David, and this is this is what keeps me from uh, cold sweats. Every time it happens, something better replaces it every yeah. single time. And so, what we have right now, what replaces it, is going to be better. Yeah, I, I hope so, um, and it does worry me. One, I mean, I was thinking about this just before Christmas. One one thing I've decided to do now is that I'm. I'm not buying things on first release anymore because I'm really tired, even for the relatively low prices you pay on iOS software. I'm really tired of buying something for five, six dollars and then six weeks later finding it's being reduced down to 99 cents for a, a week or two. Because, yeah, while I can afford the five, six dollars and, you know, saving five dollars should not be something I should get out of bed for, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I don't have to do that or worry too much about that. The point is, it you know, on a visceral level, it still sticks in the craw, thinking, well, I got hosed because I paid the, you know, the first adopter entry price, which was the high price, and now people are getting it for peanuts. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I, I'm, I've started adopting a policy now of anything that interests me. Like, I was thinking about that, um, the new game from the guy who did Cannibal called Hundreds, puzzle yes. game. It yeah? looks really good. Looks really good, but the thing is, I thought to myself, well, I'm going to stick it in my app shopper queue, I'm going to wait and I'll buy it when it's on sale rather than buy it now because I don't want to be the sucker. I don't, it's not, it's not that I can't afford to be the sucker, I can afford to be the sucker, but nobody likes being made to be, to be a sucker. And every time I pay, you know, five dollars for a, a new title and then after two months it gets knocked down to 99 cents, it makes me feel like a sucker. Yeah. And I, I understand think, that. I think that. I saw I saw an article over Christmas that said that something like thirty to forty percent of all titles released in the App Store last year were within the, within within the year were, were offered on sale, and to me that is wrong. I think um, people need to decide that uh, decide on a fair price for their software. Put it in the app store for that, and then stick to it, rather than this, you know, up down, up down all the time. Because all you're doing is you're alienating half your users because they they're going to feel like a sucker. Yep, I would agree with you. So, David, we need to wrap up this episode. Um, you know, it's coming up on an hour already, and uh, I, you know, I. All kidding aside, uh, you know, things could have gone a lot worse for you, and I'm glad that you know it turned out the way it did. And if it had to happen, um, I, I, this is kind of the best outcome. Definitely. So yeah. with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We'll be back next week. And uh, we'll have even more tech stuff for you guys, not just uh, 
relaying our tales of woe with broken cars and broken backs. <laughs> but thank, again, thank uh, Alexander. That was really cool to have him on here. That's great. I'm uh, going to get Alexander going and put me back into my upside-down elastic back cage now. Well, here's the thing. I think it would be fun to um, maybe once a month or not, maybe not even quite that often, but occasionally get the little ones on to talk video games on and or what they're, else they're doing on computers and and iPads because there's a lot of people out there that listen to the show that have children and uh, yeah. you know I didn't get any negative results when I had uh, replies anyways that when I had Brooke on the show in fact people seem to really enjoy it I don't want to do that every week but um, I, I enjoyed it myself I like to hear their perception perception of what's going on and Skylanders is something that I'm about to go buy on the app store because after Alexander said everything he said about it I'm quite confident Brooke will like this game yeah. In fact, I'm going to type it in right now. Skylanders. So I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, and look at them. Skylanders Lost Island, free. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, that's that's a good entry one. The one he was talking about is Battlegrounds. Yeah, Battlegrounds, where you can. But then you've got to start. Be, be careful because Skylanders is a bit like crack for children. Because once you get into it, you've got to start buying the toys. Yeah, that's so you okay. Put into the game, and uh, you know, <laughs> the first when we bought Skylanders for the Wii, you, the the idea is you put the toys on this portal, and then they appear in the game, and so you swap them depending on what you want to do in the game. But of course, you know, you you realise that as a parent, that <laughs> what a great money making scheme it is because you buy the game, and then you got to buy the characters, and you you know they're kind of fifteen dollars a pop for three characters, and before you know it, he's got to have twenty characters, and you've spent. Quite quite a lot of money on the game well so uh, it's our kids and know, we want to make them happy exactly and yeah there's worse things that we could spend money on so i don't worry too much about that i mean i can afford it and uh if she enjoys doing it that's great it's worth the yeah, money exactly yeah and let's be honest we paid a lot of money for these ipads it's, it's nice to have them get use <laughs> definitely <laughs> all right david my friend i will see you next week see you next week thanks a lot <laughs>